Hey, you are currently listening to season three of the Learn to Co With Me podcast. I'm your host, Laurence Bradford, and this season I chat with a range of individuals who work in tech. Rhythm School offers 200 plus hours of free online courses and is an amazing resource for anyone looking to become an exceptional full stack web developer and begin a rewarding career in tech. Sign up and start learning at rhythmschool.com forward slash courses. Level Education from Northeastern University provides short-term, intensive programs where learners gain in-demand tech skills and experience. Go to leveledu.com forward slash apply and enter the promo code learn to code to get a 15% discount. Hey listeners, welcome to the Learn to Code With Me podcast. I'm your host, Laurence Bradford. In today's episode, I talk with Christy Pitts. Christy has been working at Verizon for 12 years and she has totally worked her way up in the company. She started off as a store manager. She then got into marketing and business development roles. Today, she is a venture development manager at Verizon Ventures, where she focuses on developing fruitful relationships in the startup community with a focus on the internet of things and the sharing economy. In our conversation, we discuss the world of venture capital and much more. Remember, you can get show notes for this episode plus more information about Christy at learntocodewith.me forward slash podcast. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe on whichever podcast player you're tuning in on. And if you're feeling particularly generous, a review of the show would be awesome too. Enjoy. Hi, Christy. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Hi, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you. But first, could you please introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. I'm Christy Pitts. I'm a venture development manager at Verizon Ventures, which is the venture capital arm for Verizon, Um, the whole company, including Verizon Wireless. And I've been with Verizon for 12 years. Um, I've worked my way up through several positions. So I started pretty much at the most entry-level job that you could have as a customer service representative in a retail store when I was um, pursuing my undergrad degree. And then I worked my way through retail store leadership, um, different types of sales positions. I did an online program to complete my master's degree. And then I was able to move into some more um, strategic roles in marketing, business development, and operations. And so then now um, that led me to the ventures team where I helped to manage relationships between the Verizon Ventures portfolio companies and um, the greater ecosystem that is Verizon. Yeah, so I that was one of the first things that stuck out to me when I was looking over your bio and especially your LinkedIn was this career progression that you made. And as you said, you started off as uh, a sales associate, correct? And then you totally moved your way like all the way up through Verizon. And now you're in a totally different area, it seems, which is really awesome. Uh, could you just share like more about that? I, I, I so uh, for me personally, it's just so, <laughs> it's just so interesting because I've only ever worked, well, I've only had one quote unquote full-time job and that's where I am now. And I've been here for like eight or nine months and it's at a smaller startup, but especially at a bigger company, cause I'm sure there's listeners out there who want to stay at their company. Maybe it's larger. Like what kind of like, how did you go? How did you do it? <laughs> yeah, def- definitely. So um, I, okay, like, to be totally transparent. Um, when I started at Verizon, I was like, a sophomore in college, and I was really young. And one of the really one of the primary reasons that I wanted to work at the company was because I could barely afford my cell phone bill. Um, this was like back in the day when text messaging where you paid per message. And um, you could say that I like always had an affinity for mobile products, <laughs> to say the least. So um, 
if you went back and you asked that girl, like, would she still be working at Verizon 12 years later? I'm sure I would have had no foresight. So it's not like I charted a path for myself. But um, I will say that I was really fortunate and lucky to have had opportunities to progress. And I came into this industry specifically at a really good time. So when I started with Verizon, we had just launched the first mobile phone with a camera. Um, it was the LG VX6000. And if you think back, you know, 10 years ago, this is really before um, before even Blackberries were popular. This is when like the Palm Trio was like the smartphone of the time. And then Blackberry and then now, of course, we have iPhones and we have 4G networks. And really, I came in at a very good time um, because there was a ton of growth in the industry and a ton of growth in the company. So, um, what, so what I did is I just worked really hard in all the roles that I had, and I aggressively pursued opportunities um, in areas that interested me. So I was also lucky in that sense as well, that it wasn't just growth in my company, but it was also growth that aligned with um, the, my developing skill sets and areas of interest. Yeah, I, I love that. And I feel like that's something I can totally relate to is moving in a direction um, that like interests you like personally, like, like, as you said, the areas that interest you for me, it's uh, education and especially ed tech and kind of combining those two things. And for you, it sounds like it was initially stuff with mobile phones, right? Totally. Yeah. I was all about the mobile. I'm, I'm still a huge nerd for anything mobile. So um, that's one of the reasons why Verizon aligns really well with me, just from a values perspective or just like, um, a personal level of interest in, in the type of work that we do. So I find um, mobile technology super fascinating. And I think, you know, we've, we've come so far in such a short amount of time, but we're not at the end yet. Like there's still new technologies that are being developed and released that are really exciting and they'll change the way that we communicate with the people that we care about the most. And that motivates me. So even like if you go to the very base level of, whatever your role is with whatever company you work for. Like if you can align with that company's mission, I think that that's great if you can find that kind of fit. And I was just really lucky to find it when I, at a young age. Yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. And okay. I, I would love to like dive into more to your past, but I have this question <laughs> and I just, I have to ask sure. now, but because Verizon is such a huge company and it sounds like you've been moving yeah. to like different departments. Does it kind of feel like a new job when you move to the different area? Yeah, so sometimes it has felt that way. Um, so I think this is my, I think this is my 11th job at Verizon, uh, either 10th or 11th. And it depends on kind of how you slice it because some of the titles changed over time. But, um, and sometimes they were like very linear progression. Like I went from a store manager to what's called a floating store manager, which is kind of like a district manager at other companies. So like that's just like one step up, right? But then I moved from working directly in a sales channel to working in a marketing organization. And at that time, I had like very, I had an um, educational background in marketing, but I didn't have any practical um, skill set other than some internships I'd done in college. So I remember like my first few weeks on that job, I really didn't say much because I was writing everything down. And uh, I was like, it was like when you're a little kid and you have like have to go back and look in the dictionary. I'd be like going back and Googling terms at my desk because I totally didn't understand it all. But luckily, um, I've, it's always been with the same company, so at least there's been that common, some type of commonality where I have something to draw upon. Yeah, totally, totally. I'm looking. Was this when I, I, you became, again, at the LinkedIn, the NCNH Marketing Manager? Yeah, so NCNH stands for Northern California, Northern Nevada, and Hawaii. So, oh. um, 
So, like, I could tell you a, a really quick, funny anecdote from that time when I was totally new to the role and new to the organization. Um, we worked with a marketing agency called Tribal, and we were in the middle of a project with them when I started the role. And so everybody kept throwing around this term, tribal, tribal, tribal. And I was like, what are they talking about, like, tribal? And I'm thinking, like, I've been in the Northern California area my whole life, and I know there's, like, um, Native American history and past here, but how does it relate? Like, seriously, that's how far out of scope I was. <laughs> and I realized, like, five days into it, they were talking about a marketing agency. And, I mean, you just can't know what you don't know. Um, and I feel like I have a real curiosity to learn things. And so that's probably been helpful for me because I'm not uncomfortable not knowing something in this scenario. I'm not afraid to say that I don't know something. But there's definitely been times, especially as I've moved around, that I've come into scenarios where I'm like totally out of my comfort zone. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a great story. I feel like that happens to me a lot too. <laughs> no, no, where well, when you do something new and then and then you think something is a certain way or you think something has another meaning and then you find out later that it actually does not. I can't think of a concrete example right now for myself, but I know that happens uh, quite yeah, often. Sure. Or or I'm even just thinking some, like there's been tools that I thought maybe had a certain purpose. So like some kind of like software tool, but then really in reality, it was, it's used for something else. And sometimes like when you come across those moments where you finally realize what's going on, you're like, oh, like light bulb moment. And then you're like, I can't tell anybody this because <laughs> nobody should know that I didn't know that already. <laughs> but yeah, yeah that's no. happened to me for sure. Yeah, definitely. Or, or you feel comfortable to share it like down the road, right? <laughs> and, exactly. And, like yeah. I can tell you that story now because it's been like six years since then. But back in the day, I would probably have been embarrassed to share that. Yeah. So I'm looking again at your whole, your career progression here. And you, so you went from like a marketing manager, then to associate director of marketing and sales mm -hmm. operations, um, and then to a business development manager. So these titles, like to me, sound like you're definitely working your way up, but you're kind of more in the, um, like still the marketing and then like the operations and then, well, then biz dev space, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So yeah, that so, um, well, I was just going to say, um, I was really fortunate when I was in the associate director role. So in that position, I was responsible for marketing as well as operations for our sales channels. And then um, I had some other groups as well. And we handled things like, um, today you might call it like data science, but at the time it was like um, SQL reporting where we managed, we measured their performance of the business. And we also looked at um, sales compensation, those types of things. And that really, in that role, it led to the business development position because there were some special projects that my team took on while I was in that position. And then those projects kind of like grew legs of the, in and of themselves. And then that, and they were with startups. So that's what um, got me exposure to the startup ecosystem. And when I started learning about um, how startups work and all this stuff, and then from there, business development and now to my current day position at Verizon Ventures. That's really cool. So from, okay, so basically, essentially that role led to the business development manager position. And now I feel, okay, you need to explain what business development is for me, because that's a word I hear thrown around a lot. And I never totally get what like biz dev or, you know, I do. Yeah, like I, I meet people mm -hmm. all the time here in New York that their job is in business development. And I just don't totally get what 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 it is so could you could you explain yeah it's because <laughs> we just we don't really work but we want you to think that we do <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> but um no it's it's one of those um 
terms, actually marketing is like this too, where it's really like an umbrella phrase and what you, what your day to day is can vary really greatly from position to position. So, um, in the, in the role when I was a business development manager, my job was to create value for my uh, business unit at the time, which was that, which was Verizon Wireless in Northern California, um, by partnering with startups. So I specifically worked with a few accelerators in the region, and we created partnerships with those accelerators uh, and promotions for the um, startups that were within the accelerators. And then I also um, worked with specific startups that had relationships with Verizon, and we tried to find ways where there might be assets that Verizon had that could be beneficial to those companies. Because they're startups, like startups by nature, are smaller teams with less resources, and Verizon is a huge company with a ton of resources. So I looked for creative ways to find um, find things that we had at Verizon that could be used for the startup to create value. Awesome. And that perfectly aligns with what you're currently doing. Um, Ventures Development Manager at Verizon Ventures, which I am going to assume you're still working heavily with startups, correct? Absolutely. So now um, it's really, it, it was a great position to learn. And now that I think it was like a springboard for my move into the venture role, because now what I do is I have the same type of um, goal, but instead of kind of the narrow scope of creating value for that specific business unit, uh, Verizon Ventures creates value for all of Verizon with startups. And we do that by investing capital in them. So we, um, we write checks every year into startups. Every, and typically a little bit later stage, like Series A to Series C-ish. Um, but we also create a lot of value for the startup and for Verizon through partnerships, integration, um, co-development together, and so forth. And that's a lot of what I do is helping to manage those relationships and ensure that there's value created for both sides. Very cool. And you, of course, I live in San Francisco, <laughs> so that must be really fun. And it sounds like you've been there for a bit, or at least Northern California. Yep. I've been in Northern California pretty much my whole life. And I actually, um, I work in San Francisco, but I live in Oakland, which is right nearby. Yes, of course. I hear, I've never been there, but I hear really good things about Oakland and that a lot of people like it. I think, I think I was just with some people recently who were saying they like it more than San Francisco itself. I do. (laughs) Count me in. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. I love Oakland. It's wonderful. Awesome. So, Okay, so, and this is all, again, I feel like I'm getting to learn so much from you because these are all areas that I'm not super familiar with, like venture capital, right? I was reading an article a bit ago about women, it it was about women in tech, women in leadership roles, and women in um, venture capital or women VCs. Mm -hmm. And I forget the statistics, but it was, I'm kind of like making them up from what I remember. I don't, definitely not quote me on this, but I feel like it was like 30% or something women in tech. And then it was like, got like chopped in half for women in leadership roles. So like, I think like director and C-level, like something like 15%, like a tech companies. And then for women in venture capital, it was even lower. It was like under 10%. Mm-hmm. So is that, yeah. so is that something, I don't know, is that accurate? Like, could you, could you speak on that a bit? Sure. So I also don't know the statistics off the top of my head, but they're definitely not good. Um, the, the National Venture Capital Association, NVCA, has done a lot of work on this front. And um, they have, I think they published some studies on this to show um, the percentages and the statistics, but it's definitely um, a problem right now in the industry in terms of gender balance. And there's a lot of really great effort that's being um, put into place in order to help solve this problem. 
Um, this is also something that we support on the Verizon Ventures team. So um, part of, I guess, part of the portfolio or a little bit separate from the portfolio is a group called Built by Girls Ventures. Um, and Built by Girls, the initiative Built by Girls was formerly part of AOL and Verizon acquired AOL a little while back. So um, Built by Girls has invested, they only invest in companies that have female founder leadership and they've invested in over 30 companies at this point. And then in addition to their efforts on the Verizon Ventures team, um, we are committed to supporting female technologists and entrepreneurs. And we sponsor events like the WE Festival, 2X in Tech. Um, we have six companies in our portfolio that have women CEOs. And um, that aligns with Verizon as a whole. So Verizon has a really strong commitment to diversity. And we're recognized as a top company for women um, for female executives, for working moms, so on and so forth. So um, it's a problem in the industry and definitely, you know, we want to be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. And so we're working hard to help be a positive influence. Sit tight, podcast listeners. We're taking a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Ready to move beyond basics? In Rhythm School's part-time course, you'll learn how to navigate in the terminal, debug errors, and explore intermediate concepts in JavaScript. Class starts on June 10th and meets each Saturday for six weeks. Sign up at part-time.rhythmschool.com before May 10th and receive $200 off tuition. Or if you're looking for a full-time course, become an exceptional full-stack web developer with Rhythm's 18-week program. Classes are capped at 15 to ensure each student receives individualized support and plenty of one-on-one time with instructors. You'll contribute to real-world projects or open source, gain a deep understanding of the industry's conventions and best practices, and master the technical skills you need to hit the ground running when you join a professional engineering team. If you don't find a job six months after graduating, Rhythm will even refund your tuition. Apply now at rhythmschool.com forward slash apply. Level Education from Northeastern University provides short-term intensive programs ideal for lifelong learners at any stage of their careers. Level students are people who push themselves to grow and who understand that continuous learning is necessary in today's competitive environment. You'll learn skills by putting them to the test and helping companies solve real problems. Work on case studies from industry-leading companies and get matched with an employer for an individual capstone project based on your interests. Programs range from eight weeks full-time to 20 weeks part-time and are offered in Charlotte, Boston, Seattle, Silicon Valley, or virtually if you choose to study online. Level programs can even count as credit towards a full master's program at Northeastern University. If you're currently employed, ask about your company tuition reimbursement. Level may be eligible. Learn to Code With Me listeners can get a 15% discount on tuition. So go to leveledu.com forward slash apply and enter the promo code learn to code. Yeah, I feel like I've definitely heard of Built by Girls Ventures, but I also think there may be a few. Are there a few like that now? Like I would I like venture capital firms that only invest in female founded startups or at least teams that have one like female co-founder? Yep, there are several impact investment firms. Um, another one in Oakland is the K-Pores. Um, there's also impact investing that's not just around gender. So um, there's diversity investing, like um, Backstage Capital is an example of that. Cross-Culture Ventures is another example. 
So there are a lot of people out there working on this. Like I mentioned, uh, I don't know if I just mentioned um, Project Include, but Project Include is another resource. And they help startup founders um, with their cultures and help them have a diverse, you know, start a diverse company from the beginning. So there's a lot of really smart people out there working on this, but there's definitely, it's a long way to go. We're not there yet. Yeah, it's really interesting that you mentioned Project Include because I swear I just had, I think with a founder or, or yeah, the founder um, was a recommended like LinkedIn connection the other day, like yesterday. And I was looking at it then, like at the website and whatnot, but I hadn't heard of it until this, until that point. Yeah, it's incredible. They just won the Crunchy um, or they won a Crunchy at the TechCrunch Awards um, just a couple, I guess it was about a few weeks ago or last month. Um, so yeah, they're working hard. They're doing good work. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Do you have any? I know this is such a broad such a broad question, but for people who are thinking about getting maybe more involved in the startup world, perhaps even in venture capital, do you have any advice? Especially since you've worked with so many different startups and are really active in the community. Yeah, I mean it's a, it is a broad question, but I think that there's a lot of different ways you can go about it. Um, there's a lot of startups that are hiring. So I think that's a great way to start. Like um, if you are open to taking some risk and learning quickly and wearing a lot of hats at a company or like having a very broad role at a company, working in a startup is a great place to be because you have a lot of responsibility and you're learning as it is it's building itself. I think you said you work at a startup, right? Yes, I definitely do. And I can attest to uh, the lots of resp- <laughs> the lots of responsibilities because a lot, a lot of times people ask me about like my, my job title and what I do exactly. And it really, it varies so much on a like quarter by quarter, month by month, even week by week basis. So yeah, having a broad range of skill sets definitely comes in handy there. For sure. So uh, basically you should be the expert on that <laughs> since I've only ever worked at a huge company, which is Verizon. <laughs> But also, I think um, there's so many resources that are out there now if you're looking to get into the industry. Like, for example, um, Startup Grind is a great example or Startup Weekend. These are Startup Weekend, especially is a, um, they have short events that they're weekend events where you can launch a startup in a weekend. Um, there's the Launch Festival. There's resources like there's books about it. A lot of VCs have blogs that they're really active Um and they and they'll you know there's information regardless of what stage your company is in. So I feel like there's so much that you can learn just by doing some research. And then just like anything else in life, I'd say to like pursue the thing that makes the most amount of sense for you. Like be authentic to to who you are, and then you can that should bring you on the right path. Yeah, totally, totally. I love that advice. I always tell people a lot of people ask me about learning how to code and what kind of projects they should build or how they should get like real world experience. And I always tell people to build things that truly interest them because lots of people I talked about also speaking from experience when early on I was building things that just I wasn't really interested in. I thought it was a cool idea, but nothing that I was actually passionate about. And I would always lose interest in a week. And then when I finally started my site, um, and it's been something I've almost been doing for three years, but it was something I was truly interested in. And that's definitely what motivated me to keep up with it and keep maintaining it over all this time. Exactly. Like, I think once you can tap into that, whatever that is, whatever interests you that you like seek out, regardless of whether or not you're getting paid for it or how you know hard it might be or how tedious it might be. If you're seeking something out naturally, like follow that path, because um, I feel like at least for at least for me, 
I found that the more that I can align whatever I do for a living with what I'm really passionate about, the happier I am and the better I perform. Because so much, it's really hard to force yourself to do really well in a role when you can't, like you're not naturally intrinsically interested in what you're doing. It's like so tough. Whereas if you're really excited to go to work or to, to work on whatever your projects might be, then it's like no one can stop you. Yeah, a thousand percent. And I think you're such a great example of someone who found those opportunities within the same company, which at least with people that I know and I and I see in the world, I think is quite rare nowadays. Um, and obviously, you know, of course, Verizon is a big company, and you have like this this, vent, this Verizon Ventures and lots of different area like ways you can move around. You know, not just one direct path. But yeah, I think that's really awesome because when I think about if I stopped enjoying my job tomorrow, my instant reaction would be like, okay, I guess I would have to find a new job. But that's not always the case. Like you can move to another department in your company or you could ask mm-hmm. for different responsibilities or to work on new projects or something like that. Right. And I've been really lucky because um, Verizon has been really committed to internal development. So there's been a lot of training and um, opportunity to move into new positions or like shadow people and learn about what they do. But I think, I honestly think a lot of companies are like this and I'm not that remarkable. Um, Like it's just, I think it's just that um, a lot of times you see people who have been with the company for a long time. And I think the assumption is like, Oh, you've just been in the same role, but most likely their job is completely changed from when they got in. So definitely um, if you're, and even if you're the thing about being in a startup is you get all of that, experience in a short amount of time and then you can really decide what you like the most about a company and it can help you choose what you want to do next and similarly in a big company you can try out like different departments or different functions and find and then when you find your fit then it's just like you grow from there yeah and when you moved around in Verizon or moved up and did all these internal trainings and whatnot did you ask for these opportunities or were they sort of like presented to you? I don't know if that's, that's this kind of a weird question to ask, but I'm, I'm really, a, I'm, I'm really a firm believer though. And like, you don't get what you don't ask for. Right. So it's like, if you're unhappy in your current position or this could even apply to outside of work, like speaking up and, you know, being yeah. communicative is really important. So I'm just wondering like how much of that you did. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like as much as I wish I could get on, with you and be like, Oh no, I just sat back and opportunities rolled in. (laughs) It was definitely not like that. Um, I think so. Okay. So I, I went after opportunities. I applied for them. I put projects together in more than one scenario. Um, I took a role in an acting capacity, meaning that when I moved into the position, it was basically, I had to prove myself like there was a, um, a temporary period before I had the job for real. And, um, that was that was driven a lot by my own motivation and curiosity. But I think like going back to what we were talking about before, something I started doing in my career probably about five or six years ago is, I and I still do this now. Like I've done it with a job that I have today at Verizon Ventures, which I love my job, um, <laughs> to be totally clear. But I'll take, um, I'll think about everything that are my responsibilities in, in the role and what I need to do well in order to perform really well. And I usually rank them in terms of, um, what I really love and the things that maybe I don't love them, but they're like necessary components of the job. And you can, and this applies to any job you have, even if you own your own company, they're going to be the things that you're really passionate about. And then there are going to be the things that 
have to be taken care of in order to keep the lights on or whatever. And I've always tried to widen the stack at the top. So when I've been, when I've evaluated for new opportunities, I always look in and try to judge that opportunity by whether or not it's going to be a good fit for who I am. And then, um, you know, I, I can't reiterate enough that I was definitely um, self-motivated to go and pursue new opportunities, but I was also really lucky because the company was growing and the industry was growing, so there were opportunities available. And that, that was just fortune. I can't take any credit for that. Yeah, I, I really love that pro tip that you shared. Uh, that's what I'm calling it now. But listing out the responsibilities in your current role – and then ranking them by like what you love to do and then sort of like what needs to be done and then trying to make sure that the the stuff that you love is uh, outnumbering the stuff that needs to be done. Is that is that right? Yeah, exactly. And you can you can apply it to anything in your life. Like just what you were saying before, right? So like if you're looking for a new place to live, like what are the things that you really want to have? And what are the things that are, are a deal breaker? And what, what's like, okay, well, you know, um, maybe coin-op laundry is okay with me or whatever it is. Then you, um, I think that's, by operating on that rule, I've always, like, had a strong, if I look at something and I stack rank it like that and I can feel really comfortable that the majority of it lines up with what I value, then it's a good decision. It's, a, uh, it's an easy decision to go with my gut on what I want to do. Yeah, that's, that's an awesome tip. And this reminds me of another exercise I heard about before. It's more so for business owners, I think, but I still think this could apply to a full-time job. Correct me if I'm wrong or if you, if you disagree, but it was the same exact thing that you that you said, like what you love to do, um, things that like need to get done and only you can do, and then other things that you can delegate um, to other people. And then I think there was even this, again, for sort of business owners, but a list of things that you like actually hate doing <laughs> or something like, yeah. like the things that you really dread, like obviously though, the full-time job, um, or even your own business, there's going to be things that you don't like to do as much, but you have to do themselves and you really probably can't delegate it to anyone else. Um, right, right. yeah, but I thought that was, that's kind of a similar exercise. So yeah, that, that's really awesome. Now, how often do you do that? Cause Right, like responsibilities, even if you keep the same job title, can change. Do you have like mm -hmm. a calendar reminder to revisit like your list every so often? Uh, not like a calendar reminder, although we do have a yearly planning pro process. So that's really a helpful time to align everything. Um, also, I think I've been at a cadence of moving through different roles at Verizon like every year to two years ish. And so somewhere around that time frame, um, it naturally starts to come up. Whether And a lot of times it's because maybe my role has grown or my responsibilities have changed and I found that whatever has changed, either I really gravitate towards it and love it or maybe not so much. And then when those conditions change, I kind of take a step back, look at the um, landscape and do an inventory to say, okay, what what's the current situation? And I think another part of this that um, if a change needs to be made is like, what's the ideal situation? So like for me, I'm an extroverted person. So I need to be around people. I need to have that ability to collaborate and work in a group and as a team. So if, if that was something that constricted in my role, I, I think I would reprioritize it in whatever move I consider making in the future. Yeah, I love that. Thinking about the ideal situation. I do that in like little, I, I try to do that in even really tiny moments, like in my, in my day to day. So, uh, sometimes if I get, and maybe other people can relate to this, but I'll get really frustrated with something and I can 
get into this, I call it like a victim mindset. So I get like really upset. I'm kind of just like dwelling and not really taking action. And fortunately, I'm usually able to kind of snap myself out of it pretty quickly and be like, okay, you know, sitting here and worrying and being upset is not going to do anything. I need to just take like meaningful action. You know, what will the ideal situation be? Okay, what steps can I take? you know, today to make moves towards that ideal situation. And it always comes down to taking action and, you know, being, I think, communicative and ask, again, you don't get what you don't ask for. So in your job, if you're unhappy, like in the right way, communicating that with your, you know, your supervisor or finding ways that you could take on new projects that would bring you more uh, fulfillment. Totally. You're exactly right. And I think like everybody gets in those moments, by the way. So um, like, if you're listening or like for you, don't beat yourself up over it. If you get a little bit twisted over something, I always think to myself, like if it was my friend that was in this situation, like what would I tell them? Like if I could have like out of body experience and just look at this other person and say like, Oh, it's pretty simple. Just take this action or like take a deep breath. And, and I always like try to look at it that way as well. Then instead of just like getting so caught up in the minutia. Of it. Yeah. Another thing I try to do with things like that is ask myself, you know, will I care about this in a year or will this matter in like six months from now? Usually the answer is no. And sometimes I'll even be like, will this matter in two weeks from now? And sometimes the answer is no. no. <laughs> right? I'm like, especially at a company like, like where I work or even when I, when I'm doing like my own projects, like, like these, like, you know, these little things that can just like get kind of set you off on the wrong foot or rub you the wrong way. But in reality, in like a week or two weeks, it probably won't even matter, right? Or you won't even be thinking about it. So then it's like, okay, I shouldn't waste exactly. all this energy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, being upset about it. So thank you so much again, Christy, for sharing all this information. It's super interesting. And I think you're the first person I ever had on the show. I definitely had a fair amount of startup founders, but I think the first person who's been like, out of is it technically a VC firm? Am I using the right phrasing there? Yeah, you're good. It's well, we're we call ourselves a corporate venture capital firm, but yes. Okay, corporate That's venture right. capital firm. Okay, so nonetheless, I think you're. I think you're the first person. I did have someone on the last season. Now that I think about it, who was a founding partner or one of the founding partners at. Um, Y Combinator, like earlier, earlier oh, on, yeah. he's there for a few years. So I guess maybe mm-hmm. that's kind of similar from what you're, is what you're doing, at least like picking companies to invest in. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. So I'm not totally. I think, <laughs> yeah, you're not totally off. The difference is just in their approach. So like for Y Combinator, um, they provide this like training for startups and it's very, the startups are, well, now, especially now, the startups are more established. But back in the day, I think they were earlier stage. And for us, um, we're coming in at a later date. So like we're talking to people after they've been to Y Combinator, for example, um, when they're a little more established and the company's a little bigger, has more revenue, more felt, a larger team. But yeah, we both play in the, in the startup space uh, at different stages. All right. Nice. Cool. So yeah, happy I wasn't totally off base with that. Anyway, so where can people find you online? For sure. So I can be found on Twitter at I'm Christy Pitts. Um, also, um, please, if you, if venture capital interests you or corporate venture capital interests you, um, check out www.verizonventures.com. We have a ton of information there about our portfolio. We have our own blog and we have a podcast too, where we feature other startup founders and, um, venture capitalists and other corporate partners. So we're doing a lot to help raise the awareness just around, um, corporate VC. Awesome. Christy, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. 
Again, the show notes for this episode can be found at learntocodewith.me forward slash podcast. If you're listening to this episode in the future, simply click the search icon in the upper navigation and type in Christy's name. It's spelled like C-H-R-I-S-T-I-E, and her last name is P-I-T-T-S. Regardless, make sure you go on over to my website, learntocodewith.me, where you can find even more awesome code-related content, like my 10 free tips for teaching yourself how to code. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you next week.